morning, everyone. Morning. My word, we've just sang a most wonderful hymn, a most wonderful hymn that should have been our closing hymn. So we're going to have to quickly think about the last one, but we'll do. <laughs> have you? Pardon? Lady Glory. You've got another one. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. That's all right. My dad says there's a flaw in every diamond. So I think about the most, one of the most significant events uh, in the scriptures where the Lord Jesus was transfigured and he met with Peter, James, and John on that mount with Elijah and Moses and they were transfigured. And Peter said, it is good that we are here. Do you feel it's good that you're here today? Do you feel that it is, you know, the right thing to do to be in this place, singing God's praises, praying, fellowshipping, coming under the word? Sometimes we can become so lethargic, we can become, oh, we are Sunday again. But if we think about Peter's words, it is good that we are here. Interesting that Richard gave that focus on hearing God's word. I, I, I try and uh, people away from watching too much news in the media. Uh, it can be very debilitating. But between eight and nine on a Saturday night on GB News, uh, an, an Anglican, uh, an evangelical Anglican minister has his slot. And there on his desk is a cross and the Bible, and at one point he, hold, he held the Bible up and said, this is God's guideline for life. How wonderful. So there we are. So we're going to look, we're going to look at Matthew uh, and chapter 10 uh, by way of an introduction. Matthew 10, and uh, just the first four verses from New King James, and we read... And when he had called the twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Levius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Throughout history, Many people have been given a tagline to their name. We think of uh, going back to school to the, the, the kings uh, like William the Conqueror, uh, Alfred the Great, and the one that used to give us great humour at school, Ethelred the Unready. What a tagline. Ethel, you know, we used to love that. Ethelred the Unready. Uh, and even when we turn to the scriptures, there are those like we had a king, Herod the Great, John the Baptist, Peter the Fisherman, uh, David the Shepherd King. And today I just want to consider briefly one of my heroes, 
of the faith. Now, I know when we're growing up, we had many, many heroes. Uh, and I think uh, Ray and Ivy would share with mine, Roy Rogers. I absolutely loved Roy Rogers when we grew up. Oh, he was my hero. And uh, did you ever see Roy Rogers? He never got dirty. Never, ever, <laughs> never, ever got dirty. But he was my hero. And then when I came to know the Lord as my saviour, uh, I began to have many, many heroes of the faith. And the one I want to think about today is Thomas. Thomas the Doubter. Thomas the Doubter. Doubting Thomas. His name uh, is translated as Didymus, which is, uh, means twin. So there was a twin. We don't know anything about the twin, but we do know certain things about Thomas. And for the last 2,000 years, many people have been tagged with uh, his nickname, with, with, with his uh, description. Uh, you don't be, oh, you're a doubting Thomas, you. Oh, don't be a doubting Thomas. And his name has become synonymous with those who doubt, who are indeed unsure. But surely there's got to be much more to this man. There's got to be much more than a name. Well, I want to look... Uh, at three, why do preachers always choose three? It happens that way. You know, one day you'll say, well, I've got ten points to share on something. But anyway, there's three things that I want to just look at briefly uh, regarding Thomas. Yeah, they're all in John's Gospel. And I want to see how Thomas, how his doubts turned to devotion. His doubts turned to confession. And his doubts turned to direction. Well, the list that we read today lists the 12 disciples that Jesus called. And we have to question. Now, Jesus was perfect. He was fully God. He was fully man. What, had he got it wrong choosing these 12 men? One was a doubter. One denied him. One actually sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Would you have chosen these 12? Because the, when the, the arrest came in the garden, every single one of the disciples, <coughs> excuse me, they left. Every single one of them, having pledged allegiance to the Lord, they left him. So, would we have chosen? The answer is no. One of the scriptures that I, I tend to take great stock from excuse me, Romans 15 and verse 4. And Paul writing to the Christians in Rome says this, whatever things were written before, as far as we're concerned, that's everything, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience of perseverance and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. So whatever we read, it will give us hope. We're living in a hopeless society. We're living in a world where people are hopeless and helpless. But we have, as Richard said, we have a resource. And if we open up this word, open up our hearts, and open up in prayer, the Lord, he will speak to us. He will speak to us through his precious word. I always get a little bit concerned when somebody says, God's given me a word. And I think, yes, all right, let's hear it, you know. It's like the, the young man, uh, my time with the, in the Gideons, and we, we had to be very careful. You, you, were, you were going to speak at the church. You had to sort of go along with wherever that church was, what, you know, what there they stood. We were not to be controversial. 
Well, one young man who'd not been in the Gideons long, he went along to an Anglican church and he took his guitar with him. And the vicar said, excuse me, what, what are you doing? And he said, God's told me to play some worship songs. He said, well, he hasn't told me how. <laughs> Listen carefully to what God is really saying. And this is where you'll find it. So from this wonderful verse, we can be confident that we can learn and we can live through him. So picture the scene for our first example. Jesus and the disciples are in Jerusalem, and it's one of the significant Jewish feasts, the Feast of Dedication. And the Jews accused him of blasphemy. They accused him of blasphemy, and they sought to kill him. Think about blasphemy today. You know, you can turn on, you can go on Netflix and uh, any of the films, and they'll say, they'll give you the warnings. They have to give you a warning. Right, rating 12, sex, violence, drug smoking, uh, and, and bad language, for, rated for 12. Never ever will you see a film that says, warning, blasphemy. It doesn't seem to matter that the name of our Lord Jesus is used and abused in such a way. And oh, it, it hurts. It hurts more than any of the offensive words to hear the Lord's name taken in vain. It's like cutting with a knife. It's awful. So they're in, this, uh, they're in Jerusalem, and uh, he's been accused of blasphemy, and they tried to kill him. Tried to kill him because he told the truth. He, he told them exactly who he was. He told them why he was there. He told them what his purpose was, and he told them what they had to do. And they tried to kill him, and it was not time. You see, the scriptures tell us there is a time for everything and everything under the sun everything in the season everything as a time so safely outside of the city and the message came to him and his disciples that simply said he whom you love is six i'm looking at some references in john chapter 11 you may wish to follow them through just a few verses in john and 11 with our first example of Thomas the doubter, whose doubts turned to devotion. He whom you love is sick. How lovely is that? To know that this man, Lazarus, the very one who at that time was unwell, was loved by the Lord Jesus. Actually, this morning, friends, do you know that love? There's a lovely old hymn that says, There is no love like the love of Jesus, never to fade or fall. There is no love on this earth like the love. Human love is wonderful. Loving an ice cream, loving a pet, there's all different aspects of love. But the love of Jesus, there is nothing like it. The one you love is sick. You know that love. And then we read in that verse 4, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then nothing happens until two days later. Nothing happens when he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea 
again. Let's go back to the city, the city where we fled with our, from where we fled with our lives. Let's go back to the city. And you can imagine the disciples would not be very impressed. Let us go back to the city. Are we going to die? Are we going to be attacked? Are we going to be imprisoned? And the disciples' response naturally was, Rabbi, lately the Jews saw us stone us, and you're going there again? As if Jesus didn't know. Had they not learned by this time that he knew he was the Alpha and the, the Omega? He knew the end from the beginning. Let us go back to Judea again. They tried to avoid. They tried to avoid going back. And then suddenly one of the twelve speaks up. Verse 16. Then Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we might die with him. If we have to die with him, then there's no place to die. You see, he's, this is one of the reasons why he's my hero. All the others, they want it. let's stay where we are. Let's keep it safe, Lord. Only Thomas, even big Peter, even John, even these big fishermen, these big strong men, they didn't want to go back to the city. They had fled with their lives. Only Thomas said, look, let us go even if we have to die with him. This is one of the reasons why Thomas is my hero. His doubt turned to devotion. Any doubts that he might have as the one that was following were dissipated that day. His doubts turned to devotion. What a lesson for us today. Over the years, countless believers have faced many critical times and their faith has been challenged because they have been physically, physically threatened. We all come to situations and circumstances which made us really take our stock. Is this faith, is this faith, is this belief in the Lord Jesus, is it sort of for real, or do we deny it? Take heart. Take a message from Thomas, whose doubts turned to devotion. Years ago, before I went into ministry, uh, I worked for British Telecom, and at one point we were being moved from uh, the safety of the suburbs of Manchester into the city of Salford. And uh, before we were moving, they, they said, now look, it's a dangerous place. Uh, you don't go out on your own. Uh, don't have your wallet on you, and so on and so on, and keep your eyes open. It, 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 such, it was given the impression as to be a frightening place. And uh, anyway, it was, we needed to get out at lunchtime. So one day I, I was having a walk out and uh, they had a flea market. So always looking for a bargain, I decided to walk through this flea. And suddenly this wall on legs stood out in front of me. And he looked at me and he just said, Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Praise the Lord, he says. Hallelujah. Good to see you, brother. And, and, and spotted my little fish badge. And he was a wonderful Christian man that had been made redundant, that was making a living through uh, having this flea market. My word, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, time of fellowship we had. You see, at that moment, I have to say, you know, he, he, although he was bigger than me, and I thought, do I say no? 
a woman. It was a fearful moment because of all the warnings that we'd had. It was a potentially fearful moment, but I confess my faith. And I couldn't wait for Thursdays to come round all the time that we're there. Because he said, look, come and meet my wife. Hallelujah, here's Lorraine. Yeah, hello, Lorraine. Come down here, my pastor's wife. Got a stall down here. She's supporting her daughter in the Philippines. Come on, come down. Oh, it was, I love my Thursday lunchtimes after that. But we can be faced with a threat because of our faith. Now we fast forward to that first Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday, we find the events in John and chapter 20. The risen Lord Jesus, the very one who had told his disciples to wait for him in Galilee. Galilee and Jerusalem are not the same place. They are miles and miles apart. He was specifically clear, wait for me in Galilee. So where were they? They were hiding in an upper room. A locked upper room. And we find the account in uh, chapter, nine, chapter 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I think that word is probably the most understated word in the script. They were glad. Oh, this is very nice. Glad. I don't think glad comes near enough. I don't think the translation goes deep enough. Overjoyed, overwhelmed, absolutely thrilled to bits. They were glad when they saw the Lord. From fear to faith to feeling. How wonderful. They saw the evidence. He showed them. He made a point of showing them his riven side, his nail holes, his, in his wrists. He showed them. He gave them the evidence that it was really him. It was not a mirage. Not a mirage. The disciples that were assembled there were ten in number. And we read in that verse 24. But Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. He was not with them. Where was he? We have absolutely no idea. Sometimes people try and read things into Scripture that isn't there. We were speaking the other, the other day with Stephen Beryl about, about this. How sometimes, like there's 400 silent years between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew. And many, many authors have invented what they think happened in those 400 silent years. We don't need to know. If the Lord had told us, he would have recorded it. What do we know of Jesus from the age of 12 when his parents lost them going back into the city? They found him in the, in the synagogue. What do we know about those 12 years? Uh, sorry, between 12 and 30? Nothing. Oh, but you look on the uh, Christian bookshelves. My word, there's countless copies of people who have written that they think was Jesus' child. We don't need to know. We might want to know out of our natural human curiosity if God had wanted us to know. He would have told us everything we need to know is here within this wonderful book. What we need to know. Where was Thomas? We don't know. We don't need to know. But one thing we do know, he missed 
the blessing. He missed the blessing. He missed the same event that his friends had shared the week previous. He missed, sorry, he missed the blessing. We can miss the blessing, friends. We can come here on a Sunday morning. We can go home, we can have our lunch, and we can think, half past five coming round. I've had some good food this morning at Great Parks. I don't really need to go. Do you know what, friends? You could be missing the blessing. The last, a week last Sunday, came on the morning, John Allen sharing his wonderful word, and it was quite a difficult afternoon. And I could have very easily not come in the evening. Oh, my word, I am so glad I did. John unraveled some of the questions that I've been looking at. He, he just opened up God's word. It was absolute blessing. Had I stayed at home, I would have missed the blessing. I'm encouraging you, friends. If, you've not, you, know, if you can't come here again, go to the growth groups. Get into some prayer group. Don't miss the blessing. You know, we're running out of time. I don't want to frighten you. I want to just state the fact. Jesus said, he knew, he said, I must do the work of the Father whilst it is still daylight. Friends, the daylight is disappearing. I encourage you, don't miss out like Thomas. And then, verse 25, the disciples, the other there, verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not. He didn't say I cannot. He said I will not. I will not and will not believe it. I am not going to take your word for it. Friends, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste for yourself. Find out for yourself. Don't ride on the back of someone else's testimony. He said, in his humanness, unless I see the evidence, you, you've all seen it. I haven't. I'm having to take your word for it. I will not believe. I will not believe. And then we move off. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and he said, Peace to you. Then he turns to Thomas. You see, there's nothing hidden from the Lord. We can hide things from ourselves. We can hide things from our friends and our families. But we cannot hide from the Lord. You read one Psalm 139. There's no hiding place. And the Lord turns to Thomas. And he says this, Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but, but believing. You don't need to take their word for it, Thomas. Here I am. Here is the evidence before. Now you said you won't believe, well here I am. How does he reply? My Lord and my God. My Lord and how personal is that? How wonderful, how personal, how deep. My Lord and my God. There's no hour in it whatsoever. Psalm 23 has its six verses. 
It has 16 personal references. The Lord is my shepherd, I. There's no hours in the 23rd Psalm. And here Thomas is saying, my Lord and my God. Perhaps the most, one of the most well-known of the scriptures, John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world. Yes, he does. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But he is the saviour of the individual. God has no grandparents, grandsons. He is the saviour of the individual. God so loved the world he gave for anyone and everyone to receive him. Because of Thomas's doubts, Jesus makes a wonderful statement. And we find it in that verse 29. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Have you seen the Lord face to face, one to one? I haven't. I know there have been accounts over the years and I would never say to anyone, oh, no, you haven't. One of my other heroes of faith, uh, uh, a man called Fred Lemon, he physically met with the Lord Jesus in a prison cell. I have no doubt whatsoever as to the authenticity or the honesty of that man, but I've never seen him. Peter, in his first lesson, his first message says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the goal of your faith, salvation of your soul. Even though you have not seen him, you love him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Do you know this love? Do you know this joy personally? Friends, it's available to everyone. It's so difficult sometimes. You think, well, are you preaching to the converted? You know, there just may be one person. I don't know. Maybe I, I've got to know many, many of you over the years. I know your testimonies, some of you. But I do not want to stand before the Lord and he said, you know, why didn't you tell them that they need to receive me personally? They need to repent, believe, and receive me as their saviour. I don't want to do that. I want to share God's word, God's truth, as long as I am able. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And finally, oh, don't we love that little word? And finally, we've seen how Thomas's doubts turned to devotion. His doubts turned to confession. My Lord and my God. And finally, how his doubts turned to direction. And so we turn back a little bit to John in chapter 14. Now, in John 14, my Bible is getting very, very threadbare. My pages, pages are getting very, very worn. Uh, I keep putting a little bit of sellotape on. Why? Because I love John's Gospel. I absolutely love John's Gospel. I love all this word. And I love John and chapter 14. And I know that Hill's dad, John 14, was so precious to him. And just before his home call became more and more and more precious to him. And so we find in John and 14 those first wonderful two verses. Friends, these verses are shared so many times at funeral services. And people haven't got a clue what they mean, how relevant, how real, how precious they are. The words of Jesus who said, let not your heart be troubled. Why would Jesus say, let not your heart be troubled? Because he knew 
that the disciples then and the followers now would have troubled hearts. It's a troubled world. And we're here, we live in, we don't belong here anymore. We're passing through. This is our temporary home. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. How personal, how real, how wonderful. The event that we're looking at in closing is part of what we know as the upper room discourse. The, uh, the Lord had gathered his own together for uh, the Passover meal and the institution of what we know as Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, that changeover. And in these passages are some of the most incredible teaching. The place, the upper room, the event was just before the crucifixion. After three short years together, he now prepares them for his death and the promise of eternal life. He clearly teaches that for the believer, death is not the end and that there is this promise of eternal life. There is a home, and in that home there is a room. I had a little count at once of, of the, from being born, the amount of homes that we'd had, and it's quite a lot really, it's certainly not a record. Uh, then we sort of moved about different places and things, and uh, you speak to someone and, oh, where are you from? You're not from round, are you? What gives you that idea? And the thing is, I've had many homes, I've only had one roots, that was my place of birth. But your home is where you are, and your future home is prepared in glory for everyone who will indeed believe. There is a heaven, and there is room. Why? Because the Lord says so. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, and where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you do not know, and the way you do not know. The way you do not go. Some years ago, my brother-in-law Brian and I were, were in, in a, his home, and there was a knock at the door, and we could see Jehovah's Witnesses. You can spot them. It's as if a light on the head, Jehovah's coming. You, you can spot them. Right. So I said to Brian, you pray, I'll go to the door. Uh, give you that little preamble about the state of the world and blah 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 and he said if you die where will you go and i said heaven and he said where's heaven i said i haven't got a clue and he sort of looked because it wasn't the answer he was expecting so i said well i haven't got a clue i said i don't need to know but well how, how can you be sure you're going somewhere where you don't know where it is I said, because Jesus is already there and he's prepared a place for me because I gave my life to him. Oh, well, it's really nice meeting you. <laughs> Shut off like a rocket. Don't be afraid to share your testimony. Friends, you don't need to be a preacher, a teacher, whatever. An evangelist, you've got a story. If you know the Lord and love the Lord, you've got a title. You've got a story. You've got a weapon. Hallelujah. You've got something very precious and very powerful. My Jesus is there. The 11 disciples to whom our Lord was addressing were silent. 
until my hero speaks up. And we find this in verse 5 of John 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Oh, I love Thomas. You see, it's so precious. Why do I thank God for Thomas? Because if he, like the others, had remained silent, the Lord would never have had to give him the answer. And the answer was this in that verse 6. Jesus said, it's me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's it. Had Thomas, doubting Thomas, the one whose doubts were turning to direction, had Thomas not asked that question, millions would have not had this particular answer. And I thank God that as I stood on that football field in Anfield Stadium in Liverpool, to hear God's precious sermon, Billy Graham, I hadn't got a clue what he said until that point, because I was looking for something, and I didn't know what I was looking for. I'm not going into all my testimony now. You'll read the book when it comes out on Amazon. You'll be all right. But I hadn't heard a single word until he said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And I'd found what I was looking for. And I stood there and I cried. And then at the end of the service, the invitation was to go down onto the field and to receive prayer and counsel. And I, I think I floated back to my seat after because I'd found what I was looking for. I'd spent years looking for something I didn't know what I was looking for, a driving jacket, absolutely mad with all my latest schemes and isms and as, oh my word. After years of searching for something, I found out. You see, we are not going to live long enough. I'm so glad that Richard shared the encouragement of getting into this word. We are not going to live long enough to understand everything. But thank God, if you only know one verse, thank God for that. And then build up, build up, build up. Fill your hearts, fill your minds, fill your very soul with the words of God. Thank God for Thomas. Thank God for his word. But above all, thank God for Jesus. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come with our doubts, with our fears, with our failures. But you indeed are a gracious and most wonderful and forgiving God. And Lord, I'm just saying if there is maybe one or more who still, still has those niggling doubts that there is total freedom is receiving Christ as Savior. Oh Lord, do not let them leave this place today. Be pleased to bless your word. Seal it in our hearts. In our Savior's wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Amen.